Before we start our study tonight, which should be pretty brief, and the reason for that is, it is our last study of the first section. (laughs) Uh, Lead us into temptation has actually been the whole study so far. Next time we gather, we'll get into and deliver us from evil, as Thomas Watson has organized our study. Uh, So this will be briefer, because I just think it's better to not get into the next section until we're back together. And uh, of course, we have the wedding coming up, so just a reminder, we won't be here next week. Anyone who is, we're probably setting up for the wedding. (laughs) But uh, one of the things that in the study tonight talks about how the Lord uses our temptations. And uh, we had a study earlier about why does he let us be tempted? And we're going to review a little bit of that tonight. It's not the only part of the study. But it it, it caused me to think about Psalm 51. I'd like to sing it with you in entirety. Um, Why don't we go ahead and sing the first half now and we'll close with the second half. So page 109 verses 1 through 10. And you'll see in the heading, not all of the Psalms have a heading, uh, but this does. There's actually a title that's part of the original Hebrew Masoretic text. And so we know specifically the context of this Psalm. As you know, the chief musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And as you know, then he also covered it up uh, with... um, uh, how he set up her husband to be killed in war. And we want to recognize how he responds. Gideon? Gideon. Good boy. We want to recognize how David responds. He's being confronted. Nathan shares the story with him. Mommy, I think we need some help with, with Gideon. He's doing some things I think Olivia can't handle without your help, please. Maybe someone can hold the baby for her, please. Um, remember that uh, Nathan the prophet comes to David and says, he gives this story, right? And David is angry and says, that man needs to be killed. And then Nathan says, thou art the man. And what we see with David is an example of repentance. He has a heart after God. And so he doesn't, he's convicted and he repents. And this psalm is a result. This is a psalm of repentance. Psalm 32 very much relates to the context, which Paul quotes in Romans 4 that says, How blessed is the man whose sins God does not impute to him. David is saying, how blessed to trust in God through Christ, because I know how guilty I am, and how blessed I am that God does not hold my sins against me, impute to me that I owe, because if I have to pay the price, like any other sin, that's eternal hell. But God has saved us through Christ. Christ has taken our sins upon us. And you'll see the imagery of being washed and clean, uh, touched with hyssop, made white as snow. And the return of salvation, the joy of it, uh, asking for a renewed spirit. And so this, uh, these are things that the Lord uses. This temptation and, and the giving into it, uh, the Lord uses these things to draw us back to him, to make us right, to cleanse us. May the Lord have on our hearts sins we need to be repenting of. And may the Lord give us that heart and have the heart that is true repentance, which as you know from our catechism is to turn away from sin and run back to God. It's like Peter. It's not like Judas. It's to turn away and to run back toward God with full endeavoring after new obedience. Okay? But uh, so we'll sing verses 1 to 10 on page 109. And Lord willing, at the end of the study, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, sing the second part on page 110. Da 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 After thy loving kindness, Lord, 
have mercy upon me. For thy compassion's great blot out all mine iniquity. Me cleanse from sin and throughly wash from mine iniquity. For my transgressions I confess, my sin I ever see. Against thee, the only have I sinned, in thy sight done this ill, that when thou speaks thou mayst be just and clear in judging still. Behold, I in iniquity was formed the womb within. My mother also me conceived in guiltiness and sin. Behold thou in the inward parts with truth delighted art, and wisdom thou shalt make me know within the hidden part. Do thou with his sip sprinkle me, I shall be cleansed so. Yea, watch thou me, and then I shall be whiter than the snow. Of gladness and of joyfulness, make me to hear the voice, that so these very bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. All mine iniquities blot out, thy face hide from my sin. Create a clean heart, Lord, renew a right spirit me within. I want to point out a few things before we close and start our study. I want you to remind you. David is asking for forgiveness. He's asking, notice also, for God to help him repent, right? The prophets say, Lord, turn us and we shall be turned. And so he's not trying to repent on his own strength. He's even asking God, help me repent, please, right? Help me do these things. Do these things to me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Verse 7, I want you to remember the, the imagery here. This is how we're cleansed. Do thou with hyssop sprinkle me. Do you remember what hyssop is? It's the blush made of plant, brush made of plant material the priests use to sprinkle the blood over the offering of the offering on the altar in the temple, recognizing an idea of cleansing. 
sprinkling of blood, cleansing. And so we're reminding, we're asking the Lord, cleanse us with the blood of Christ. Sprinkle the blood. Remind us. We know we're, we're cleansed once and for all and saved by Christ. But there is that aspect of our growing and sanctification. We still sin and fall. So we're asking the Lord to apply, you know, cause us experience anew and refresh us. But notice, he's asking for a clean heart. You give me a clean heart. You restore to me the joy of thy salvation. You do these things to me. We need to recognize repentance is asking God, please change me. Please help me. It's not saying, I'm going to do better for you, Lord. Saying, please help me. Make me better, Lord. Help me to do better. I'm so sorry. And uh, we want to recognize that. But notice, he says, sprinkle with me hyssop, sprinkle me with hyssop, and what? I shall be cleansed. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. It's a song of repentance for horrible sin. But it's uh, that psalm that we can use as well. Well, I want to remind you, if you have a question or a comment, I'm going to hand you the mic so it gets into the recording, but also so everyone can hear. It's pretty helpful. Uh, yeah, let, let, I'll just say that. Now, I want to remind you, our study is with Thomas Watson, the Lord's Prayer. And we're at an important uh, section tonight in terms of making it to a halfway point, so to speak. Um, the, the study is uh, based on the last petition of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, why don't we say it out loud together? And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. We're going to, excuse me, complete the study tonight related to the first part of that request. And lead me not into temptation. That's actually what the whole study has been so far. Uh, I was really more reminded about that where it says number two and deliver me from evil. Like, oh. I guess I forgot that we were still only on temptation. There's naturally, there's overlap. He repeats himself um, in helpful ways. There's overlap about having, been le- having allowed ourselves to go into evil. Evil would be the doing of the temptation, right? Lead us not to temptation is asking God would protect us from even being tempted. But if we are tempted, that the Lord will help us not give into it and do evil. So the temptation can come from within, remember, and largely comes from without, from Satan. So that's why this study is so much about Satan's influence on us. But then also the next part is, and deliver me from evil. Of course, that will need to include deliver me when we have given in and we need the Lord to rescue us from that evil. But deliver us from giving into it and giving into the temptation. Okay, so that's where we are. Matthew 6.13 is that theme verse. And we're picking it up with what is listed as use for. And I'm not going to pretend to remember. I remember exactly where that is within its other, you know, with the Puritans there's so many points and subpoints and subpoints. So I'm just going to get into the study. Uh, you can go back and listen to anything on uh, this series in sermon audio if you like. But here you get gives use for, and this part is brief of the study tonight, but why we went to Psalm 51 and why I also want to return to the confession for a moment. Gideon, you need to be quiet. Okay, use for. Let such as are tempted be wise to make good use of their temptations. As we should labor to improve our afflictions, so to improve our temptations. So we know that like from Psalm 119, several times it says, it was good that I was afflicted. It brought me closer to you, Lord. It brought me deeper into your word, Lord. Similarly, we're to use temptations that way. Now notice, it's not saying use sin, although there are ways the Lord even uses our sin, and we're going to touch on that, but our temptations. When we are tempted in different ways, Lord, help me to use that. Help me to learn how to battle 
battle it. Let it actually, instead of making me fall, let it make me grow stronger as resist and the devil flees from me. Let me make use of all these things I'm learning. And let me grow from this experience. You know, sometimes when we're tempted, we think that it only makes us weaker, but it can actually make us stronger in the Lord. As the Lord helps us to resist and he flees, it's like when you win in sports, you feel more confident to win another one. And that's what we want. You know, um, as I've been putting up these talks about knowing our enemy and fighting him, the last one that just went up by Pastor Bell uh, is uh, war, at war with Satan. And at the very end, he says, you know, we ought to be wanting to win. We ought to be wanting to win the war. And he's really making the case, let's not just act like we can't win or win battles in the Lord Jesus. Battle belongs to the Lord. Uh, We ought to be wanting to win. We ought to be wanting to beat these temptations until Satan does flee from us. Okay, It's not the only part of the study, but uh, he says this. uh, What good comes from temptation? And this is a little bit of a review, but he says this. This is what I highlight. God can make his people get much good by their temptations. Hereby a Christian sees the corrupt, that corruption in his heart, which he never saw before. One of the things is, as it's a temptation, and unlike Christ, we struggle with it, and we're, you know, there's a temptation to, go, to give into it. it. It shows us how easily we are tempted. It shows us the corruption. We need to keep praying, God, create a clean heart in me. Wash me in this area. This is an area I never had to deal with before, or I have been unwilling to deal with, but this temptation is my opportunity to get right with God in this area. This is my opportunity to make some progress that I've been avoiding for years, right? This is my opportunity to grow and recognize in growing where I have to be cleansed. That's growth. That's opportunity to grow, right? We want to be careful not to think that temptation is only something that can hurt us. God actually can use us to make us grow. I I think because of the time, I'm going to not turn, but I want to reference you again to Westminster Confession, Chapter 5, Section 5. It asks the question and pastorally answers the question, why does God let us be tempted? Why does God let us sin? And there's some very good pastoral comments there, but I think a significant one that he brings out here again is to humble us, to humble us, and to show that we are completely dependent on God, we are not self-sufficient, and there's plenty of areas for us to still be cleansed. That's never going to change until we go to heaven. Word of Christ comes back with the new heaven and the new earth. So we want to recognize and face temptations and the temptation of, the, of Satan, but coming from within as an opportunity to recognize where we have areas we particularly need to be concerned about and grow. So that's use four. And then he gives us 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Would you turn there with me? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Second Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul writes this. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now notice, it's from Satan. It's just like Job was tested. This is actually from Satan, but ultimately it's from the Lord. He's allowing it. It's not the author of evil, but he allows these things to happen to us to test us and to prove us, right? That's what we saw in Deuteronomy 8. He said twice in both sections of Deuteronomy 8, this Lord's Day, I allowed you to go through this wilderness experience to test you, to prove you, to show what is in your heart. 
And so the Lord will let these things happen to make us grow. And so Paul uh, asked to please not have this thorn in his side anymore. And God says, no, it needs to stay. My grace is sufficient for you. And we've come here before, remember. But notice, it is Satan doing it, the temptation. But the Lord allows it to remind us to be humble and to depend completely on God and to exalt him. Notice he says, God allows it so that I don't exalt myself. Remember, that's what God warned about in Deuteronomy 8. Lest you exalt yourself and start to take credit as if you're the reason all these things are happening. So the Lord will do this to humble us. Watson writes this, Better is that temptation that humbles than that duty which makes us proud. Wow, so even when we do the right duty, if it makes us proud, it's better to be tempted. That doesn't mean it's better to sin, but it's better to struggle with temptations because it humbles us. And it's always better to be humble than to start to get self-exalted and proud because of any duty we do for the Lord. Right? That's, That's pretty striking. Okay, that's use four. Good can come from temptation. So, he says again, let such as are tempted be wise to make good use of these temptations. Just like afflictions. And too often, we don't use our afflictions well, right? We don't see them as opportunities to grow and to get us closer to the Lord. We kind of pray, please get rid of this as soon as possible. Maybe we should be saying, Lord, help me to trust you in this and do what your plan is in me. And don't let it end until you're done. The same thing with temptations. Lord, help me to endure and not give in. You've allowed this. It keeps coming. Help me to learn not to give in. And make me a different person through this. So make use of them. I think that's very helpful. I don't think I tend to think of that enough. Like, make use of this. This is an opportunity from the Lord to experience victory and grow and to see where you need to grow. Right? It doesn't mean take advantage of it to sin. Okay? Uh, Use number five. God has stood by them and given them strength to overcome the tempter. Recognize that when you have been tempted, often God gives you the strength. Remember 1 Corinthians 10 uh, talks about how he doesn't give you anything you're not able to endure. And he gives you way out of the temptation. And think of the times when God has helped you, or maybe you've been better at receiving his help, so to speak, and he stood by you, he strengthened you to overcome the tempter. Remember he had this glorious section a little earlier about how Jesus is ready and able and wants to help us defeat Satan's temptations. It was powerful and empowering. And uh, remember that God has helped you and he wants to. And be thankful therefore. Number one, remember he's led you through temptations, not given in, and remember to be thankful to God for this. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. Think of how he has led you through things, forgiven you for things, and say, I can face the temptation right now. Thanks be to God who has given us the victory. I already have the victory in Christ. In the war, so I can have victory in this battle. Let us be thankful. So still under the use number five, remember that God has stood by us to help us overcome Satan in the past. Number two, under that use, you that have been tempted and come off victors, be full of sympathy, pity, tempted souls. Show your piety in your pity. What he's saying is, be sympathetic to those who are struggling with the temptations you've struggled with. 
have mercy on them. Don't treat them as if, oh, you, you should be over this by now, but remember your struggles. Or if it's not related, but the idea, the idea of having struggles with certain temptations. Have pity on those who aren't where you are in your growth and grace. Who aren't gr- as far along in the walk of sanctification as you are or as developed. Have pity on them. And then he says, help them. A word spoken in season may relieve a soul fainting in temptation. And you may, as the good Samaritan, drop oil and wine into the wound. We need each other. Be ready in terms of making use of these things. Be humbled and be ready. I'm going to want, I want to be there to help others to resist this temptation. And remember we studied earlier, one of the reasons the Lord lets us give in even to the temptation is that we'll be able to sympathize and help others who face it later. Uh, he says this, he quotes this, uh, The spiritual man thinks over advice rather than reproaches. And he's apparently quoting Augustine. That relates to our Wednesday study years ago, remember affirmation? You want to be affirming people three to five times for every one criticism, even if it's necessary. Uh, I've been catching up on a book on marriage uh, that uh, Rachel and Chad are borrowing. And uh, that was emphasized again. Gideon, it's time to stop. <laughs> Mommy, I think you need to take him to the other building. Yeah, He's giving us some trouble tonight. Um, remember the affirmation in this book, it said the same kind of thing, that you want to have way more affirmations than criticisms. And that's something we're always going to have to be careful about. But he says, the spiritual man thinks over advice rather than reproaches. We're more likely, I don't think it's just the spiritual men, but we're more likely to think about advice than we are just reproaches and corrections. And we have to think about how to be proactive and positive in different ways. Uh, but we want to be ready to help and encourage, hey, hey, brother or sister, I know that you've been wrestling with this and I just want you to know I can relate, I understand. I want to tell you about how the Lord gave me victory and sometimes when I fell, the Lord helped me get back up again and I've had more victory. And I want to share with you some things I've learned to help you resist that the devil would flee from you. So you want to, um, you want to be full of sympathy for others as you think about how the Lord has given you victory and be ready to help and come alongside them. Number three, still under the section of remembering what God has already done for us in the past. Uh, we want to be thankful. We want to help others uh, who are, can learn from us, uh, including learn from my mistakes. I think a lot of Proverbs is Solomon saying, learn from my mistakes. I really do. Um, number three, you that have got the conquest over Satan, be not secure. Be confident in Jesus, but if you've had a lot of victory over Satan, be not secure. Remember he's talked about before, a lot of times right after a victory, right after a good thing that happens, boom, he'll get you because you let up your guard and you, you, think you, you get too proud and pride comes before the fall. Don't be secure, that is in yourself. Think not that you shall never be troubled with the tempter more. Even our Lord Jesus, what happened after Satan, uh, Jesus resisted all his temptations, mostly quoting Deuteronomy, remember? Satan left him, what does it say after that? For a time. Until another time. I think particularly what's in view there is the Garden of Gethsemane and the cross. Well, if you didn't give in to me when I offered you all this relief just in the, temp- in the, in the wilderness, fasting... Maybe you will when you're about to be crucified, you know? 
And uh, so Satan's going to come back for our Lord. He's certainly going to come back for us. And in the same temptations. We don't want to think that we've ever had... I think that's the most dangerous thing is I've beaten this sin. It's never a problem for me anymore. I don't think that means that you can't have new freedoms in certain ways that you maybe couldn't before. But you always need to recognize that's there. And some of the biggest things will always be there ready to be watered by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the world, the pride of life, the flesh, right? And of course Satan there. So never think that you are secure. Always be on watch. Always keep guard. That was a lot of our last study, right? Uh, Rejoice how the Lord has delivered you, but never think you're done. Never think you can put that behind you and work on something else now. That's, that's the most dangerous moment that you're going to fall again. Okay? Uh, keep up the defenses. And he turns us to Luke 4.13. He, he, uh, no, well, yeah, excuse me, we just talked about that. Satan said he's going to come again to even tempt Jesus. But he says this, After we got the better of the tempter, we must do as the mariners in a calm mend or tackling. Excuse me, I'm not reading this correctly. Let me, let me start over. After we have got the better of the tempter, we must do as the mariners. What are mariners? The fishermen, guys on boats, right? In a calm. Do as the mariners in a calm. Oh, there's no storm now. I can just go relax and go to the pub and goof off until the next time we're going to sea, right? No, he says, we must be like mariners in a calm. Mend our tackling. Not knowing how soon another storm may come. And you never know when they're coming. And storms don't, hey, I'm about to come. Watch you make sure you get your doors locked. You know? I mean, we have our modern tools to tell us, oh, a tornado's coming, get under the door or whatever. You know, but generally speaking, you don't know when they're going to hit. They hit fast. Remember uh, from Ephesians 6, the arrows are always in the air coming at us. And we're in danger when we let our shield of faith down. Don't think that it's not, there's not another dart in the air already. Oh, you had victory? I'll send three at once this time. Right? You know? Always, always be ready. And uh, now I do want to go where uh, he brings us to scripture. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 26. Luke chapter 11, verse 26. Luke chapter 11, verse 26. I think actually I'll start at the beginning of the story for the context. Beginning with verse 14. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said he cast out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought out him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. 
And this is the, the part here, especially verses 24 to 26. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in, and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Alright, well I get to use an illustration. I thought I'd wait for a while, but I was thinking of this text. But basically he's, he's telling us with this scripture again, don't think you can let your guard up don't be secure in yourself and think that this isn't going to come back to try to take you over again when you least expect it when you think you got your house all cleaned up that can be boom right when he comes back with seven other spirits and it'll be worse than before because you didn't have your guard up to keep them out okay here comes my illustration i shouldn't set it up i should just give it but it strikes me as it'll be fun because guess what abraham just saw today in the fireside room when we came in a cockroach scurrying about. Ah, exactly. Thank you, Mrs. Renner, for the setup. Still? Yes. Well, the man told us this would happen. The co- we had cockroaches, you know, in the sanctuary, in the... I shouldn't say this loud with it going out of the air. Everybody will hear us now, you know. But <laughs> the mic working outside tonight. Or, but we're dealt, we dealt with it. You know, we, we got an exterminator, folks that are on uh, KPRZ, and he explained to us that Okay, here's what's going to happen. You're not going to see him for a while, but I need to keep coming back monthly. Because they're not actually gone. Here's what happens. When you spray these cockroaches, you put the... And we saw tons of dead cockroaches. We were like, you know, walking around with our spears. We wouldn't do anything. But, you know, you know, we were all happy to see all these dead cockroaches. And didn't see any sign of them for now, for a while. But we just did now. He says, I'm going to have to come back monthly for a while. Because what happens is when you spray them, you kill a lot of them. But then they go back down where they came from, usually through the sewers. By the way, he did say, let's make sure this is out there everywhere. He says, you could be the cleanest people in the world, and that, that has nothing to do with why you have them. They can often come from other places through the sewers to you, so just know that. Um, I think we do a pretty good job cleaning. <laughs> but um, what happens is they go and hide. They go back to their places where they hide, and they don't all die. And what are they doing there? Reproducing like crazy. And then they come back. So you got to keep spraying until you really get them under control. And I would imagine, I don't know, maybe once a year isn't a bad idea. That's the idea that don't think that you can just think you're secure now. They haven't gone away for good. Satan has not gone away for good. And you are not perfectly righteous in your heart until the resurrection or you go to heaven first. There is always those cockroaches lying around in the darkness waiting until you think that you don't have to worry about them anymore. And then they come back with all their reproduced friends to take over and have an enormous party like you've never seen yet. All right? So uh, anyways, there's the cockroach illustration I was saving for a sermon. Now you got it. Okay. But it's, I think, particularly germane to what Thomas Watson is saying here. Don't think because you've had victory that the war is over. The war is over in heaven and the new heavens and the new earth. And remember, Satan goes and he waits and he comes back. That, that was what we saw in earlier studies. Um, so, here's, the, here's the one more thing to share. Uh, two more things. He says this. Thomas Watson writes, But stand upon your watchtower. Lie in your armor. Always expect a fight. That's the Christian life, beloved. 
That's the Christian life. Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God. But do you see what he says here? Lie in your armor. Sleep in it. You know, I think like men who are at war and they're on the main fronts, they sleep. They keep the helmet on, right? Uh, lie in your armor in those, um, wherever you would be at war. Um, always expect to fight. Stand at your watchtower. Always have somebody watching. Take shifts, right? And, uh, you know, we'll see that leadership from Nehemiah when we get to that study in a minute. Yes, Mr. Renner, hold on. Hold on. Gotta give you the mic. John Gill says that the Christian, uh, the, uh, are not necessarily the Christian, but those that were in battle did sleep with their helmets on. Uh. And generally, they kept them on so much that when they took them off, they were bald because wow. of wearing their helmets all the time Wow! in battle. You know, that makes me think of, I can't remember where I've heard this, maybe you have, but I've heard um, examples of people who fought so long. Isn't it even the scriptures, I think? Yes. Uh, they couldn't take their hand off the sword. Yes. They fought so long, they yeah. just didn't stop fighting. They couldn't actually open their hand to take the sword out. David's yeah. mighty men. David's mighty men, thank yeah. you. Yeah, so there is that aspect of the spiritual warfare. We're never done, thank you. Um, this last thought, and then we'll sing Psalm 51, the second part, and close in prayer. Um, but yeah, lie in your armor, always expect to fight, and, and never think that the room's not about ready to be attacked with cockroaches again. You've got to keep cleaning, you've got to keep spraying. Holy Spirit, right? The demons are always ready to come back and take over. Uh, you know, we always need our devotions. We always need to be reading our Bibles. We always need to be praying. We need to start the day, end the day, spend the day like that. We need to be in fellowship. We need to be in worship benefit of things like this uh, and we need to have family worship and not think that if we've done it for a while we get away from it everything's going to be okay no 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 no. they're coming back okay um, lastly he says this and we are closing the section tonight this long section we've, that we've had on uh, lead us not into temptation and then we start part two next time, which will be at least an extra week away. Remember, we'll have off next week getting ready for the wedding. But deliver us from evil. The second part of this last petition of the Lord's Prayer, that's what we'll focus on the remainder of the study. Uh, but he says this last thing I'll share with you, closing the section on, and lead us not into temptation. It is a wrong to God's mercy and to a Christian's comfort to make the despairing conclusion that after one has fallen by temptations, his estate is irre uh, irrecoverable. Let me read that again since I stammered. It is a wrong to God's mercy and to a Christian's comfort uh, to make the despairing conclusion that after one has fallen by temptation, his estate is irrecoverable. It's helpful, isn't it? I want to remind you as we close... This is why we're having this study. A while ago for a certain sermon, I wanted to try to find where was I quoting Thomas Watson that he said, the biggest sin that Satan is leading towards with all your other sins is to bring you to a place of despair. So strong that you kill yourself. Literally. 
And uh, he's warned about that in the study. I found it here. Remember, I thought it was in the, the study on uh, contentment with Thomas Watson. That's also on our sermon audio pages, by the way. We studied that a few years ago now on Wednesday nights. Uh, but it was actually here. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. And he closes the first part. Lead me not into temptation. As I think a great transition into deliver me from evil. Because I think all of our hearts get pricked. But often we've given into it. Right? We've done the evil. We've given into the temptation. He's already had some pastoral words about that. And I'm sure he will again. But deliver us from evil. But as he finishes the first section. Lead me not into temptation. Sets us up for the next section. Deliver me not, for, not into evil. Uh, deliver me. Uh, del- excuse me. Deliver us from evil. He closes with this once more. It is a wrong to God's mercy. And to a Christian's comfort. To make the despairing conclusion. That after one has fallen by temptation. His estate is irrecoverable. And that is the worst sin, right? To think that God's mercy in Christ is lesser than our sins, as horrible as they are, as huge as they are, as heinous as they are. To think that Christ's sacrifice on the cross and his perfect life on our behalf is not more, is not better and stronger, right? So let us indeed repent and confess what our temptations are and ask God to protect us and deliver us not to give in to these temptations. That's the next part. We hope that we don't even have to be tempted is the first part. But if we, if we must be, and we can see tonight, there are reasons he allows it. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from, we'll see, he'll probably bring us to this again. Some would translate it, deliver me from the evil one. Satan is behind so much of it. And uh, I should be getting up very soon. I think before I go on trip this week, uh, the last sermon by Pastor Bell, uh, Know Your Enemy. And I've kind of given it the sub-study, the sub-heading, Studies on Satan, Know Your Enemy. That ought to go up. The last one that just went up is, again, War with Satan. And he said at the very end, we ought to be looking to win. We ought to be looking to have victories. And may the Lord grant that. I'd like to close singing the second part of Psalm 51, and then we'll close in prayer. Now again, uh, this would be page 110. We sang the first half. Remember the subheading, the title is, uh, this is when uh, Nathan the prophet uh, uh, preached at, convicted David about his sin of uh, adultery with Bathsheba and then covering up with murder. And David shows us the right right way to respond in repentance, which is not in denial. Uh, It is humble. It's asking for God to do a work in his heart. It's asking for God to make him repent. God to do a gracious work in him, not, not just feeling bad about the sin and wanting to get out of the consequence, but Lord, change me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Create a clean heart in me. Help me do the right thing. Help me to do better. And uh, it's amazing, really. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a prayer for us. So we'll sing the second part and then we'll close in prayer. Psalm 51, page 110. Da 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 Cast me not from thy sight, nor take thy Holy Spirit away. Restore me thy salvation's joy, with thy free spirit me stay. 
Then will I teach thy ways unto those that transgressors be. And those that sinners are shall then be turned unto thee. O God of my salvation, me from blood guiltiness. Set free, then shall my tongue aloud sing of thy righteousness. My closed lips, O Lord, by thee, let them be opened. Then shall thy praises by my mouth abroad be published. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it thee. Nor wilt thou with burnt offering at all delighted be. A broken spirit is to God a pleasing sacrifice. A broken and a contrite heart, Lord, thou wilt not despise. Show kindness and do good, O Lord, to Zion thine thine own hill. The walls of thy Jerusalem build up of thy goodwill. Then righteous offerings shall thee please, and offerings burnt which they. With whole burnt offerings and with calves shall on thine altar lay. Before we close the prayer, let me point out a few things there that relate to the study well. First of all, notice he's asking God to do all these things again. Repentance is turning back toward God, asking him to work in our hearts and change us. Uh, But notice verse 17. Here's what the Lord is looking for. A broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. He, He wants to break us and humble us. And that's the kind of person that will tremble at his word and he'll covenant with and share secrets with Isaiah and Psalm 25. But notice also, um, look what he says, what will happen. Please restore salvation's joy to me. Let your spirit stay with me. But then notice verse 13, I will teach thy ways unto those that transgressors be. And that was part of the study tonight, right? Have pity on others. Lord, help me be restored so I can help others to be restored and to learn from my mistakes and to even avoid the temptation, get out of it and not give into it in the first place. So there's that restorative thing that involves others as well, building up the whole body and leading and teaching others. So see how the Lord, he does not give us permission to sin. He tells us to pray these things. Uh, But notice that 
that uh, same idea that Thomas Watson was bringing out towards the end. Uh, don't get into despair thinking there's no hope. Repent. Turn to Psalm 51 constantly and let the Lord change you and let him be doing things not only in you but in others through it. And does that not show victory over Satan? Yeah? Does that not? Let us pray. O Lord God in heaven, we thank you that we have victory in Christ already. Thanks be to God who has given us the victory. Lord, let us grow in victory and as more than conquerors in not giving into temptation. We do pray that you would lead us not into temptation. Lord, that you would help us to protect ourselves, especially through your means of grace, and draw up a hedge and build a hedge around us and our families. Lord, Yet we know there are things all around us that we can't perfectly keep out of our sight and heart and mind and ears. And we pray, Lord, that you would lead us not into them, not giving an audience to them, not giving an audience to Satan, but quoting your word and resist the devil that he would flee from us. We thank you there has also already been comforting words about when we have given in to that temptation. As we prepare for the next part, we do pray you would deliver us from evil, deliver us from the evil one. And let that include, Lord, when we have given in and we need to be delivered from him, drawing us down into utter despair, thinking we cannot be forgiven. We have victory in Jesus to grow in sanctification and holiness and to be forgiven when we fall. Remembering the proverb says, an honest man, though he falls seven times, always gets up again. But we get up only through you, Lord Jesus, picking us up, lifting us up, and carrying us through the wilderness. And Lord, we do so only through Jesus Christ. But through Jesus Christ, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. Lord, we ask your blessing on this night. Bring us safely home. Bless travels for those who will be traveling. Bless especially uh, uh, the wedding preparations. Uh, bless, oh Lord, my sister Anne, and let this surgery go perfectly. And I pray, Lord, it will also be used into her salvation and that of her children and family and others. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us a witness tonight. And even any who might have heard this message through our sound system outside being fixed, now we have to remember which channels to bring down. We pray, Lord, that it has gone into the hearts of someone, even hearing now, and that you would draw them to Christ and into your church and into salvation and the hope of heaven. We pray all these things as you taught us to pray, closing as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You are dismissed. And uh, Mr. Renner, if I can meet with you over two quick things. And uh, Chad, real quick before you go, I got something I have to give to you. Uh, that's it. Have a wonderful night. Oh, if I can just share this. I know I shared with you uh, that our sister Eleanor in the senior home prayed over her meal. What do you think she prayed? Prayed the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, and I thought that's an encouragement to us of why we're, we use it as a model, but also we can use it for our words and it uh, comes very useful to us. So, Okay, you are dismissed. Thanks for your time.